So the big question is this. How do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name is Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. This podcast is sponsored and supported by my good friends at Hunted. Last year, Hunted helped over 300,000 recruiters all across the world. They're dedicated to improving not just the industry, but your place within it. If you want to be a better recruiter, have more resilience, see greater success in your recruitment career, or simply change jobs or country, then you need to check out hunted.com. I'd love you to check it out and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. And today I am delighted to be joined by Ryan Adams, who is the CEO at a business called Signify Technology, who are a specialist technology recruitment business uh, with a specific focus on functional programming and Scala and have offices in London and LA. And Ryan is joining me in LA right now, who uh, moved there not too long ago. So Ryan, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon, well, yeah, good afternoon, good morning. Um, so, look, Ryan, been looking forward to this. I think, uh, I think it's safe to say there'll be a lot of people keen to know the Ryan Adams story, mate. We see you all over <laughs> LinkedIn, we see you online. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about uh, the realities and what's going on, right? So um, yeah. where I always like to start in this podcast, mate, is how did Ryan Adams enter the world of recruitment? Let's start there. Okay, so um, many moons ago now, probably showing my age a little how, bit. How long have you been in the industry for? I, f- I think t- 12 or 13 years. Let's go yeah, with 12. 12, uh, okay, cool. I started well. in uh, 2007, I think, off the top of my head. Okay. Um, so kind of early 20s, as most people do. Mm. Um, so, yeah, really long story short, the way that I got into recruitment was... Um, I used to play semi-professional football, as I think a lot of uh, recruiters did, um, and I've done pretty well out of my my, my football career okay. um, back in the heyday. And um, I played for a, a team called Tooting and Mitcham, who were in the Ryman League. Yeah, and you know I used to get on a bus, get on a train, tram, uh, taxis all over the place just to, to play football mm. um, alongside being uh, a personal banker at the time at Barclays Bank. Yeah, and. There was this guy that that played for my team, uh, mixed race guy, always in like tailored suits, <laughs> sharp shoes, uh, had a Rolex, you know, Classic. always had a fresh haircut, just looked just looked the part. Basically, wanted to be like him. Yeah. Um, uh, just uh, for reference, he's a guy called Paul Bogle, who I'm sure a lot of your audience will probably know. Okay, and uh, he worked for a company called S3, okay. and that's where I started my uh, career. Um, mm working in the brand computer futures yeah so, so he's, yeah. he sold you the dream 
he sold me the dream. Yeah. yeah. Okay, mate. Uh, if you if you want to be like me, why don't you come and meet my company in London? We do recruitment. Had no idea what recruitment even was back then, but yeah. Hey, I mean, if I can get a Rolex and a nice suit like this guy, then happy yeah, days. Out. <laughs> okay, so um, <laughs> and do, I've do, never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> just to just to frame it up, then. So entered the world of recruitment. So how long did you work at S3 for? I worked at S3 for. Maybe about a year and a half, so okay. not very long to be fair. So eighteen months, and then is that when you joined Consul? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, actually, no. Sorry, that's a lie. Um, I have to go back way. I, this is like sorry. an interview. I've, I've not done this for a long time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I had a, about a year and a half at S3, and it was amazing. Like, really, really enjoyed it. Learned recruitment the hard way yeah. um, with some amazing, uh, amazing recruiters. So Dave and Ashley, who own Trust and Soda. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, yeah, some good, very good people. Yeah, some amazing, amazing people. And I, ha- I had an amazing time there. Um, I was a contract biller, uh, rookie of the year, went on yeah. incentive trips, hit lunch clubs, yeah. got my run rate up to about 40K per month and was doing really well. And I just decided that I wanted to go and work for a smaller company and um, be a big fish in a small pond. Fair so enough. made the brave okay. decision to leave. And I joined a company called Devonshire, who yeah. Maybe not as well known as some of the other companies that I've worked for, but worked there for about a year and a half as well. Okay, so worked there for a year and a half. So yeah, so three years between those two companies. Mm-hmm. Then joined Console Partners, where you had a real solid stint, like six and a bit years. And yep. then that's and then after that, you then obviously um, decided to start your own recruitment business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, mate. Con- console was probably one of the biggest defining moments of my career because I spent se- nearly seven years there and mm. um, most of my 20s and I learned I learned a hell of a lot there right I, I joined them as a senior recruiter and left as a shareholder and a director so mm. um, a lot of the the stuff that I have taken with me into my new business I probably learned at, at console yeah, yeah I think that's that's very that's can be quite typical can't it of a lot of people so as i said mate before we started this we're definitely going to focus on the the signified journey but i guess with you just sharing that that it was a pivotal moment to you uh pivotal part of your career Mm -hmm. i guess what what what's just come out of that when you're sharing that which i think would be really interesting there'll be a lot of people listening that are probably aspiring to own part of the business that they uh work in um as an employee so i guess um in, in hindsight, what, what do you think are some of the contributing factors to get into that point? Because I think a lot of people will be working to that. Um, yeah. So looking back, how do you think that you got to that point of owning part of that business? Yeah, um, it's a good question. So I joined them when they were only probably about two years old and okay. you know, sub 10 people. So it, That helps firstly, doesn't it? When you're yeah. in the early, early part of the journey. Exactly. So I think, yeah, taking the taking the risk on kind of a startup, I guess, that weren't really well known in the market, um, definitely buying into the leaders, like yeah. you know, working with Mark and Graham was was really, really cool. Um, they're both like super inspirational, um, motivational and just like real, real hard workers. And they sure. ingrain a lot of the stuff that I do in my daily life right now um, okay. in my early 20s. So yeah, just, just choosing a business is going somewhere, right? And super ambitious, um, big growth plans. Um, they didn't actually do contract recruitment before I started there. So um, me and another guy were tasked with building their contract division from okay. scratch. Um, they also didn't do my market either. So it was a big risk, but definitely paid off. And um, I learned a lot there. I learned a hell of a lot. Mm. Uh, I was one of their biggest billers. Um, I grew a team from scratch and yeah, it was really fun. We went from 10 people to 100 odd people. Mm. Uh, 
grew our headcount, grew the NFI, uh, opened offices in LA, no surprise, <laughs> uh, other places in the US. So okay. uh, I guess, yeah, just choosing a company that you, you really believe is going to go somewhere. And whilst they grow, they also give you the opportunity to grow as well. And I went from a senior to a team leader, to a manager, to a director. So it was a really fun journey. So, so I guess, what, did you take that? Because what it seems like there from you sharing that is, I think it's fair to say that you delivered a lot of value, right? So you started Definitely. something that they didn't have, um, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, but did you, did you proactively and consciously have those conversations of, look, guys, really buy into you, um, really see the opportunity here. But just so you know, this is what I'm gunning for. Like, I, I do want to yeah. own part of this company. I do want to add tremendous amounts of value. So, because I think that that's the thing where when you are in a smaller business, you've got, you've got to want it and show that you want it and say, look, this is where I want to be, guys. This is where I want to take us. So, yeah, if you proactive with that. Yeah, definitely. I'm really, really yeah. proactive. I think that was part of my, I'll be honest with you, in my early career, like most recruiters, I didn't really know what I wanted. I just, fell into, the, I just fell into the job. Yeah. And, you know, my, my time at S3 um, was, was very KPI driven, very yeah. military style, like hardcore. Yeah. Um, and then Devonshire was the other end of the spectrum. It was mm. no KPIs, very fluffy as such, and really relaxed, which was, which was great. But I realized that I wanted something in the middle, right? So I wanted kind of a company that was going to push me, but give me that growth potential. Sure. And because I'd started my own desk and I was a 360 new business winner, I knew confidently that I could do that again at console. I just needed the opportunity to like own something and, and kind of be able to build that. So yeah, starting a contract division from scratch, doing a software engineering from scratch. Mm. And um, yeah, it was, it was amazing opportunity. And, you know, I, I, I've got a lot of fun memories working that company that, that holds really close to my heart. Awesome, mate. Love that. So Look, let, let's segue into um, your own business then. So mm-hmm. with that in mind then, did you always have, like, did, had you always wanted to have your own business? Um, yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah. I'm a very, for anyone that knows me that's listening will probably tell you that I'm super goals um, orientated. So okay. uh, throughout my career, um, from probably like, you know, early 20s, I've, I've always set like really aggressive goals uh, mm. most months and most years. And mm. um, I'm really hard on myself if I don't hit those goals. So, um, okay. you know, some of those have included like, you know, billing X, earning X, buying property, going on holidays, just all the yep. fine things that you get to do in recruitment. But yep. one of them was that by the age of 30, I want to own my own business. Mm. Um, Why is it? It's always 30. It's always funny, isn't it? What, what, how, like, I'm, I'm 26, mate, but like, what is, what is, what is it that's in people's head? It's like, 30, I've got to have a house, I've got to do this, I've got to have my own business. I, I know it sounds really stupid, right? But um, I feel like I matured really quickly in many ways in my life. So I owned my first property at 20, yeah. which I thought was an amazing achievement. For sure. And, you know, went on nice holidays, got that Rolex, done all the things that you typically do as a recruiter. But own, owning my own business, I just felt like, I could have done it before, but mm. I wanted to to kind of get as much experience as, as I could. And I felt like at 30, I was probably at the level and probably the maturity that, that I could go and do that and know that I wasn't going to make mistakes, if that yeah. makes sense. Or as many mistakes. I got what you mean. I guess being more more sure of yourself as well and who Ryan Adams is. and Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, in, my early, in my early years... Um, I, I was very immature in, in, in loads of ways and made a lot of mistakes and I was probably a dick to a lot of people. Yeah. And at 30, I feel that I was just in a much better place, right? I was married. Um, I had kids, uh, mm. I owned a family home 
and I just had it's much more, more life experience and, and I felt that I would be a better leader to people if I'm honest and mm. um, you know owning your own business isn't always about running a lifestyle business or just being a big biller I, I generally wanted to be the best leader to people so I sure. think that when I look back on my 20s I did make a lot of mistakes and at 30 I felt like I was fully ready and I knew who I was I had my yeah, own yeah authentic identity and I, f- I felt like I could really inspire and motivate people and that's absolutely what I've gone on to do awesome mate so cool so let, let, let's just frame it up and we'll break down this sort of journey to date mate so started your own business signify and it's been going for how long now so I started the business in July 2016 so this year in July will be four years old four years cool so yeah. started it on your own right just just Ryan Adams yeah, yeah started okay. started on my own um but i did start in an office with employees and um that was a pretty brave move you know a lot of people start really slow and then once they build momentum they start to to build out a team but i just wanted to go hard from day one mm. and i thought it's it's all or nothing right i'm either gonna make it or i'm gonna fail so okay mate so yeah let, let's break down this year one then because i think a lot of people that's that's what people are most worried about right when they're thinking about starting a business the fear of the the first year so year so did you so year one then so you said straight out of the bat straight out of the you hired people yeah in year one so day one started in an office in london myself two full-time employees and um day one like i mean the internet wasn't even working so <laughs> <laughs> I should have. I should have probably just had a couple of days on my own. <laughs> okay. I was too excited. The logos on the wall. Um, the the phones are on. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Myself and myself and two others. Two others. So did you did you get investment then, or did you? No. But um, an important thing to 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 tell your listeners is I didn't get investment. Mm. But what I done was I went through um, the investment process with two really big, well known companies or people okay and that, that for me was just a process that i wanted to go through to ensure that they backed me which they did okay um, and that i got the option to get the investment which i declined mm. um but it really helped me just to sense check my business plan and all of the ideas that i had were right yeah, that's smart um, and i kind of got that and that that gave me the confidence just to, to get out there throw myself in the deep end and absolutely smash it okay mate cool so um, year one, and so what? Just just to frame it up, so the end of year one, what what did your business look like? So how, how many people did you have? Yeah, like what? Let's just frame that up, and then we'll break it down. Oh God, that's a that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I can't remember what I had for dinner last night, let alone the first year. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say we were like double figures headcount. I can't remember exactly. I didn't okay. prepare for that question. Yeah, that's fine, mate. Uh, what 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 did you do revenue wise year one? Um, I think we done one point five million. All right, let's From a standing fu- start. New yeah. market, mate. New let's customers. let's fucking break that down because like, how the fuck has Ryan done that, right? So let's <laughs> let let's break that down. So one point five million in your first year. Um, so um, I, I was a perm recruiter, right? So you was a, so you built a contract. So is, was it heavily contracts in that year one, or was it a split? Or surprisingly, so I'm a contract biller. Uh, yeah, I've always been a contract biller. Um, now I value perm, but before okay. I used to be like you know perm perm means nothing. I'm a contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, the first year was was heavily focused on perm. Okay. Um, and I had to do perm deals for the first time in my life. Was that in your business plan? Um, it was kind of more focused on contract. We, we thought that we'd probably be about 60% contract and 40% perm. And first year, we were probably more 70% perm, 30% contract. So okay. 
it was surprising. Um, what I realized in the first year was that it was very difficult for um, big brands to trust a startup to do contract when I was doing a new market. I didn't have any relationships. Sure. Whereas a lot of people that start their own business go into doing the same market that they've always done. Mm. And even if they're meant to or not because of their restrictions, they normally bring client contacts with them. One of the things that I wanted to do was really respect Mark and Graham at console. I didn't want to break my restrictions. And also I wanted to build a, a business that was slightly different to theirs and I didn't want to have a crossover. So mm. in honesty, I had to, I had to just pick a new market that I'd never worked before. So how, how did you, no, mate, respect. Like how, okay. So how, let's break it down. First six months, as you said, got in, you had employees, didn't have the phones on, but you had the logo on the wall. Like what, how, how <laughs> did you start acquiring clients? Like how did you, how, um, what did you do? So it was really tough, um, really, really tough. At times, I'll be honest with you, I, I was tempted to just think, hey, you know, let me break my restrictions. No one's ever going to know, but I thought yeah. than that, and I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. So to begin, to begin with, it was all candidate focused, like go out, speak to candidates, um, CV strip, uh, lead generate, mm. um, uh, take your candidates to the market, reverse market, BD calls. Yeah. Uh, just really just build a footprint, like listen to what's happened in the market. Um, the good news was that I had like a lot of people that I knew that I'd either worked with before that had gone internal um, or that I was connected to on LinkedIn. And um, my first two client wins, uh, the first one was actually Sky, which okay. was awesome. So first yeah. client win, Sky. Um, second client win was uh, British Gas. Yeah. So you've got um, some good brands there. which helped. Yeah. Um, the first three months were absolutely horrific. So we, we made the choice, myself and the two guys that started with me, let's just absolutely swamp Sky. I mean, they've got multiple <laughs> Let's just send them every single engineer we can find. Bang, yeah, bang, yeah, bang, yeah. bang, bang, right? And we were getting rejected offers, final interviews not going our way. And for the first three months, we actually done no deals, no placements. Really? No placements. Wow. Month one was to be expected. Month yeah. two okay, cool. This is, this is tight guys. Month three. I'm like, wow, I've made a mistake here. This is really how, how much, how much runway did you give yourself? Um, I probably gave myself about six months of, mm. you know, not, not to like, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So six months is like, you know, if I don't do a deal in six months, that's unheard of for me. It, as a recruiter, ask anyone that's ever worked for me. I've done new deals every single month. <laughs> Every month without fail. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd start the month on zero. By the end of the month, I'd find, you know, 50K. You, you'd pull it out, yeah. So pull first out three back. months, big fat zero, mate. Zero. Month okay. four. Month four, it just came like buses. It's like bang, really? bang. And bang. Well, was it still with Sky? Uh, yeah. What changed? Um, <laughs> the quality of candidates that we were finding. <laughs> really? Uh, we actually understood the market a little bit better. Really? Uh, you know, we weren't just like looking at keywords on CVs. We're actually, you know, meeting the candidates. Um, getting them to do tech tests ahead of, um, you know, first. Or yeah, yeah. So you, you just, just up your game. You, you were just a bit, but the thing is that when, when you start recruiting, as you know, mate, it may seem a lifetime ago, that that's, that's the hard part at the beginning, isn't it? Like as you build more confidence and you speak to more people like fucking quality CV, I'm buzzing to get that out. Like you just get better at that. So in the new market, that's, that's expected, right? Another, another key point, right. That was that the two guys that started with me weren't doing software engineering recruitment before, before. and they, okay. and they hadn't done my market Scala either. So we're all, we're all kind of going into it a little bit flat footed, but you know what, in hindsight, I wouldn't have changed it because, um, it really made us work hard for it. And then when those deals started coming in, we really had that unity and we'd been through the worst that we're ever going to go through. And apart from those three months at the beginning, the rest of the time has been absolutely been, great. Yeah. 
So like how how let's just like how how did you get through that that time then, mate? Because I think a lot of people could have packed, packed the bags in at that stage. So I guess especially when you brought two people along for the ride, right? This isn't just you at home in your bedroom like knocking it out. This is yeah. you've got you've brought in people to come on the ride. So and I'll then, be honest, and, I thrive under pressure. Like I really? love it. That fire under my bum, I just, I was, <laughs> you know, really? um, I had, I had every single person I'd ever worked with probably rooting for me to, to, to fail for whatever reasons. Mm. Um, I, I'd walked away from, from shares in a business that imminently was about to sell. So, mm. so I had that there as well. And being honest with you, I'd, I'd done this at the worst time in the world. I, I, I was yeah, getting married. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a child getting, on the way? Yeah, so I was getting Mate, married. How many and... times this has come up? Honestly, it's mad. Is it? Is it because you're like, right? If I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. No, I was just okay. really stupid. All right. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, I had I had all these aspirations and plans, right? And yeah. I just done them all in twelve months. It was absolutely ludicrous. So yeah, but to to give you guys and and your listeners a bit of a timeline. So December two thousand and sixteen, I'm getting married and. Mm. You know, I'm earning really good money at console and a secure job that I'd been in for nearly seven years. So I thought, well, what the hell? I'm going to just push the boat out. You know, I'm going to go absolutely wild. Mm. Whatever my wife wants. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're spending crazy money on a wedding in December 2016. Um, uh, we just had a little boy. So our little boy was born in September 2015. Yeah. Uh, my wife's on maternity, so she's got no income. Yeah. And then we just bought our family home, which we moved into in December 2015, which was uh just again so you've got some sort of indication like four bed detached yeah. house in a really Happy. nice area um and then march 2016 uh i kind of i had that ick that I was going to leave right but mm. i always imagined that i was going to just take it all the way up until december mm. 2016 then i was going to have my notice and start in uh january 2017 yeah. and in march i just decided like look enough's enough i'm handing my notice i'm walking away and then I started the business in July 2016 after being Wow. So, so you still had the bad boy wedding to pay for, the big billers wedding to pay for, yeah, and all that. Was, and you wasn't doing any deals for three months. It, it was tough. And then yeah. to make matters worse, uh, uh, Console sold their business in uh, October 2016. And I gave my shares back and got zero from the sale. So what would you have got? You do know. <laughs> oh, mate. A yeah. lot of money. Uh, en mess. enough let's just say enough to enough so to is it fair to out, right? is it fair to say then that you had a chip a bit of chip on your shoulder then you had to make this work there was no yeah, you you, you know that whole that whole analogy of you you go to an island and you you burn the boats like that there's no absolutely. there's no turning back here i had no way back that that was yeah. it i had no way back it was i'm either going to make this work and we're going to be successful or i'm going to fail and i'm going to have no money but not only am i going to have no money but i would have lost everything that I'd worked through in my 20s. Yeah. And I just wasn't prepared for that. So there's so, no way that that, but, was, that was an option. To, to be honest with you, to answer your question, how I got through that first year was I was ruthless. Like I worked every single minute and hour that God sent. You know, I worked in the evenings, at the weekends. I just done everything possible to pull myself and my business out of that situation. And, um, you know, after month three, month four, five, six, as we got to the end of the year, that first six months, we actually done really well. And we made profit in our first year. Most startups mm. don't do that. So we grew our headcount, we grew our customer base, um, and we made profit. So um, it was a so, tough first okay. year. So, so, so let's just break down those, as you were saying, let's just break down those nine months then. Because in nine months, you did 1.5 million in, in revenue, right? So obviously, as you said, you got better at identifying and understanding what the hell was a good candidate, working with some good brands, 
what what are other some of the what were the other some of the key things that sort of built up the momentum and you think were a key factor to you ending that year in profit and having yeah. a, a good first year? So the the main thing that every one of your listeners will probably know about our business is that we are a niche uh, expert. So we all focus on one market together. Um, and that was one of the things that I took from the investment meetings, like pick a market, become famous in it, hunt mm. impacts. And um, together, you're all going to be able to identify candidates, um, win customers, and then you're just basically going to collaborate. You know, So if someone in the room's got an amazing candidate but doesn't have a role, he could send that candidate to your customer. Same yeah. So we all- How did you identify that niche? Just I got a bit lucky, as you do. Yeah, I fair, guess. fair um, but, uh, you know, my contact, um, I used to work with him, actually, Zach uh, Khan. I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know him from S3. Uh, he was a um, great, great biller, a great manager. He worked at um, Sky as their head of recruitment. Okay. And um, he tried to hit me up to, to come work in, internal. Yeah. And I just said to him, look, I'm going to start my own business. And he was like, cool, I'll give you your first account. Like, there's some roles. Like, yeah. you guys can help me and I'll help you. Mm. So, um, yeah. Well, and that, some of those first roles were the niche that you ended up focusing on was Scala and at the time yeah. I was just like Zach I'll be honest with you I have no idea what Scala is <laughs> what is Scott what is Scala uh I still don't know <laughs> <laughs> um it is a it's a it's a back-end uh functional programming language uh very similar to Java and okay, a lot so of companies specific language Java. yeah exactly okay so a lot of companies that use Java are moving to Scala yeah okay so your niche is that so that, that when we're talking about how niche to go because like from obviously look you you interact and um, I'm sure it speaks to a lot of recruitment business owners now. Like, how, in your opinion, knowing what you know now, but how important was it for you to actually really go the whole like mile deep imperative. in the Really? Imperative, yeah. yeah. Uh, without, I'll go as far as saying, without our niche, we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, and mm. our, our niche has been everything for us, but also a big thing for us has been a community focus. So um, we run our own meetups. Uh, we yeah, have I saw that. Channel. Uh, we've got a blog uh, section which gets a lot of hits. We have a full-time marketing manager, which I think is really important. Mm. We conferences. Um, okay, we, mate. We just do a lot around community, and and that 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 for us with our niche has been fundamental. Yeah, yeah nice. So so those nine months really got into your niche, really starting to nail that. Mm-hmm. I guess um, also part of that. Then how how did you find hiring for your own business? Because that's always a challenge. I get loads of messages about it. Yeah. But how how was that first nine months was working out what the fuck is a good hire for my business? Like, how did that really, really tough? Yeah. <laughs> and um, to be fair, what, what we what we chose to do, and it was, again, really bold of us, but we didn't want to hire experienced recruiters. Yeah. I wanted to hire people that come from a sales background or a customer service background. I wanted to teach them how to do recruitment. Um, Again, you know, one of the things that I love is is really being a great leader and mentoring and training people. So sure. I just kind of felt that if I was going to go and hire the best recruiters in the market, I probably wouldn't be doing them uh, the best service. So um, yeah, in the early days, we hired people from a non-recruitment background and we trained them ourselves. So today, three and a half years later, 85% of my business is new to the recruitment industry, all trained by by me. 85%? Yeah. Trained by Ryan Adams? Exactly. Loads of Ryan Adams running around the world. God God help the world. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. So going into year two then, mate, I'm sure reflects on that. Right. Had a good first year. Um, What what was going through your head then going into year two then? Because quite frankly, you're a clean, ambitious person. But going into year two then, what was the the growth plan? Like, because you now have some money to, like, was the plan always to reinvest in the business? Like, what what was the growth plan going into year two? 
Yeah. So year one, completely focused on doing UK recruitment. UK year recruitment, two, yeah. Yeah. Year two in the strategy was, right, let's get out to Europe. So we want to okay. absolutely attack Europe and take this global. So we started working in the German market, uh, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Spain, Italy. And before we knew it, we were like truly a global business. Really? Uh, and that happened in year two. And yeah, we placed all over the place, relocating candidates, um, which is really cool. Like a lot of customers valued that, that you could bring candidates in that don't need a visa from a different European country. Um, and we might be able to even save ourselves some money because the salaries were slightly sure. lower. What, so, what, and and how, what, was the, what was the strategy? To, was it the same strategy to penetrate those markets? Like, what, did you do anything smart or learn from that? Yeah. So the biggest thing that got us into the European markets were sponsoring conferences in those countries wow. so in front of our clients and our candidates mm. and um, using social media was a big part of it. So really, really? just getting our brand out there, blogging, um, attracting candidates. So actually, now that you say it, one of our biggest sourcing methods is our own website. So we get candidates sign up to our website looking for a job. Last year, our top performing sorry our third top performing source code was our own website so really branding yeah our branding really has paid off that's that's mental so um okay then so in so how much was you investing in in that in year like in year one and year two then like did you how much was you invest in that in year two um to be honest like our website doesn't cost us loads uh but we just we've been really cute and smart with it so we just blog a lot which means that people are coming to our website to learn and then by them seeing your brand and learning, when they're then looking for a job, they sure. say, hey, these guys are pretty cool. So our website doesn't cost us a lot, but if you look at it, it doesn't look like a traditional recruitment website. It's quite a cool um, sort of like tech, digital kind of feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we've got two full-time marketing managers that help us to push our brand. Yeah. So our website has been amazing for us. But if, if we go backwards, the main thing is our brand and our market and social media presence. So they're all very mm. interlinked. And then yeah. the community as well. Okay, so just a quick one on that, mate, because like, is it fair to say that at console, how much experience did you have in investing in marketing and doing that? Zero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, so it's like, and there'll be a lot of people listening that it's still zero and they have their own business, right? So yeah. like knowing what you know now, like what, what would be the advice you give yourself on the sort of marketing brand piece that, Go big from the beginning. Go big, really. Being honest with you, I'm not going to say I or Signify have made the market this way in client, but if you're a recruitment company now and you're not doing this, then you're going to get left behind by your competition. I think that the the world is moving much more to a, um, you know, internet-based video and, uh, you know, developers and clients want to want to be able to to feel that personality through through the people that they're interacting with. So, it's fundamental you know we've yeah, we yeah. done that very quickly we were six months old and i think i hired a full-time marketing manager really? um, and then we went and did you get got did you get advice to do that like no it was just something really? that i just something that, would, that i just really wanted to do i, I tried to advise console quite a lot about this and mm. you know for whatever reason that's that's how they chose to run their business but for me i just thought actually i really want to be big on social media i want to have a, a presence and yeah you know I want to have marketing literature that we can give to our candidates and clients so that people know our brand and they and they want to use us. I wanted to be like a recruitment company of choice, rather than you know I was needing to always knock doors. I wanted to people yeah, to yeah, yeah. coming to us, which absolutely does happen. Yeah, right of course, now. mate. Everyone wants that, right? So okay, mate. And then a quick one on that because I think again, people's experience with that challenges would be because you said there, which is really interesting. You said that the third um, 
yeah, the third, uh, what is it, most used source code in Candidate's Place was your own website. So how how did you, like, learnings on, how did you go about very quickly tracking it then? and measure Because clearly you were measuring it then because you know that yeah. you're spending X and, well, look, there's a source code here. So how, yeah. how, how did you manage that? So the first thing is, um, I would say to everyone, make sure you get your CRM database in order. Yeah. And when your consultants are adding candidates or clients to your database, they should be using source code. So every single time someone's adding, you can see where they came from. So you can see your return yeah, yeah, yeah. investment. So yeah. that's just a really basic thing. Yeah, it's a really yeah, in terms of our website, we have a back end, so you get to log in. And if you're a admin user, which most of my team are, then you can see candidates that are signing up, what they're signing up for, um, and what they're looking for. And then you then get one of your recruiters based on the location of that candidate just to follow up with them, brief them, yeah, send them out to the roles. And um, as I said, it's been amazing. Last year, I think we... I can't remember the number off the top of my head without looking at my, my business plan, but it probably is something like four or 500,000 pounds worth of placements you made from really? website. Really? Fucking hell. And that, that's, yeah. the, that's the part that a lot of people lack, right? Because when, when you would be speaking to business owners or other recruiters, they go, yeah, but I'm not sure. Do you know what I mean? So that's fair play to you, mate, to actively from the get-go really hammer that home and measure that. Because that, that's yeah. always the struggle with, oh, okay, Ryan, but what's the ROI, mate? And you're, you're clearly articulating that and know that. Because that gives, makes you more comfortable than investing more in it, right? 100%. And yeah. um, that's something that we've really been hot on. You know, like every single month, I do a business presentation back to my team on what we, uh, what we achieved last month, clients we've done deals with, locations, source codes, challenges, successes. And everyone can see it. So every single month, we talk about this stuff. So we don't just leave it until the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always looking at new methods. Always and, looking at Nice, mate. Yeah, so it really, really helps. Year two, mate. What did that look like? What did you end revenue-wise? What, what was that, mate? Uh, the clearest way is that we've grown by 100% year on year for three years. So I three think, years. So what's that? Yeah, I think year two we done three point three something. Three point two, three point three, so something like that. How before we go into year three, year four? Then like how? Like again, let let's break that down, mate. Because again, I know <laughs> you're clearly someone. Because a lot of people, a lot of, I've quoted this a few times, like you can only be what you see, right? And I think clearly you're someone you wanted to go big from the very start. And, and these sort of numbers you're saying just off the cuff, a lot of people may think is unrealistic and not achievable, right? So I'm assuming by that point, you had quite a few people in your business. But how, how did you keep up that momentum? Obviously, you said that, that you went straight out of the UK market, started penetrating all different markets. But how did you continue that momentum and maximize the people that you got in your business? Definitely. Um, so yeah, the average deal values in the European market are big. There's certainly like less competition. So I think that helps as well. That was a big but, huge um, factor. Yeah, that's a big factor. But again, I'm just going to, I'm going to sound like a broken record, like having a niche market and becoming experts in it really, really helps really because helps, you've got yeah. clear USPs that you can use to open doors. Um, having a team that are collaborating and hunting in packs definitely helps social media presence. And we just had an amazing client base, like being honest with you, like our customer base, sometimes I pitch myself and I'm like, wow, like we work with some incredible clients and yeah. there's a high volume of roles. So we've been quite delivery focused. We don't often mm. go and win more customers because we've got so many. We just need to deliver on those that we have already. Mm, that's interesting. And yeah. by that point, what was the split in contracts and perm? Did that start even itself out or was it still quite Slightly. perm? Slightly. Yeah. Year two, we started to see contracts 
pay off a little bit because some of the customers that we've been working with on the perm basis and delivering on, they then started to open up their contract uh, vacancies to us. Mm. And also when you have to provide documentation to get onto large preferred supply list, uh, we then had some sort of history so we could mm. show people that, you know, we can run contractors. We do have money in the bank. These are some customers that have given us testimonials. And, you know, there was a bit more proof in the pudding as such. Whereas in the first year it was like, Hey, please trust me. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, don't want to trust you. I'm not sure you're a guy that looks very trustworthy. Yeah, fair. So, yeah, so, second year we had a bit more history. Yeah, biggest challenge in year two then, mate? All sounds positive. What would you say was the biggest challenge in that year two, second year? Real basic stuff like time. You know, time's mm. precious. Um, just trying to be a leader. I'm sure you're getting pulled pillar to post, right? Exactly that. Be a leader, be a biller, um, sort out payroll. <laughs> just, just you're, you're pulled in so many different directions. Tea maker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the thing is, like you, you hadn't, you had obviously you scaled teams stuff like that, but you hadn't scaled the recruitment business before. So, did you seek any help or get advice at this stage, like in year two, or like how, how, yeah, how did you know you was doing the right thing? <laughs> um, so, I, I lent a lot on my my experience with console, which was okay. valuable, right? Being a board member and a shareholder in a business that done exactly what I was planning to do really mm. helped. Um, I also joined a couple of different um, forums. So uh, the RDLC was great because you're you're, you're in a, a forum of loads of different recruitment business owners who yeah. are going through the same sort of challenges as you. Um, and what was really nice there was just to compare, but to never settle to being like what everyone else was talking about. I always just looked at everyone and thought, yeah, it's great, but I want to do more and be better and grow faster. So mm. it was just it was great. Where, where's that come from, mate? Where, where's that mental, like how, why? Probably just my sports background. Like I played, really? I played football since, since, you know, a young boy and played for pro clubs and semi-pro clubs. And I've always been a captain or wanted to be the best at football. So I think just that competitive nature of just always wanting to be the best me. Um, mm. And if someone else is doing better than me, I absolutely love it. Like I, I'd actually reach out to that person and be like, Hey man, you're absolutely smashing it. You know, what are you doing differently? How can I be more like you? And if you do that with, you know, hundreds of people along your career, then it's only going to enhance what you're doing. So um, I like surrounding myself with like really successful people, whether they're recruitment or non-recruitment and just thinking that, hey, I want to be like that guy. Because mm. I think the thing is, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced it, right? Like you have that mentality, you clearly have that huge drive. But as you're, as you're growing in this business, the, the sort of, um, what's the word? For you to expect that everyone else will have that Ryan Adams fire is is unfair tough. right yeah do you know what i mean it's like how how did you how how was you cultivating that clear drive fire look guys look this is what you may be seeing from other people but look our standards and the bars here but how did you start just, cultivating that around people i think just that right it starts with your interview process and you know if you're if you're looking to grow a business and you want mediocre then you go and hire mediocre and then your environment yeah becomes mediocre whereas for me i'm like i want to cherry pick people that are motivated driven hungry super mm. ambitious and they might not be me but i'm going to make them the best version of their self and I, I do some things that i don't know if everyone does this in their business but before someone starts i get them to write me just a short document nothing too heavy like you know how do you like being managed um what are your goals inside of work and outside of work, where do you want mm. to be in the, in the next, you know, what can I do to get the very best out of you? And then when you see that, you can kind of see what someone's aspiring to be like. Mm. And um, a lot of things we do in our environment, I think really help. So we focus on like productivity. So I'm not saying that everyone has to, but if you, if you are active, so if you're playing sports or going to the gym or, 
um, cycling or running, then that will probably help to clear your mind and help you to be more productive at work and have more energy. Um, And then we also focus on just doing like team activities, which could be a 10k or a 5k run or tough mudder just things that are going to get people's like competitive nature and team uh, mm. team spirit out um, mm. and if someone has goals and you help them to achieve their goals then they're going to be- become more motivated and a better version of themselves. so that's been a key driver for me every single person in my company never set goals before they worked there and now every single person even my back office staff have goals that's and i awesome. love seeing i love seeing people do well Mm, that made that honestly i think that's wicked and again it sounds quite simple but this came out quite recently actually and they um it was like, it was in, it was in a smaller business but he was saying that what he does at the beginning of each year is he gets his uh people to write out what they want their job description to look like um okay, nice. and uh, yeah so i think what what i really like about that is that you're the people that you want are the people that are accountable, accountable and responsible for what they want. And sometimes it's got, it can't just be like, okay, so your target is 200 K. Okay, great. But like you'll make, you're making them decide and think about what they want. And, and, and it's more than, it's more than, as you said, it's, it's quite a lot of things that that can be right. So that's I interesting. Think that, I think that with the goals, right. That, people find it uncomfortable to begin with and being honest with you, I've got a very diverse business. I think that's another really key thing. So I've got diverse in terms of like color. Hey, mm. I'm a black guy. If someone didn't notice already. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But like I've got a diverse uh, business in terms of different colors, different shapes and sizes, but I've also got quite a lot of women in my company. Okay. And that was something that I set out from at the very beginning is I wanted to have like a diverse business. I didn't want to be male dominated because mm. women are great at a lot of things. And I think to have a harmonious environment, you need to have women in there early Definitely. on. Where it becomes very difficult to hire women. So um, I've got some amazing, independent, strong women in our company that have absolutely smashed it. So yeah. going back to the goal thing, I think that a lot of these people that work for me right now never ever like setting goals and never did. And yeah. Three and a half years um, later, I'm looking at so many people in my company that own properties for the first time mm. uh, or multiple properties have got themselves out of debt, mm. have um, started families, have bought a nice car, gone on holidays, mm. um, got their driving license, like just little things. But that's what's important to them. Mm. And now that I know what makes someone tick, it, make, it helps me to motivate them. Man, that's, and, that was going to be my next point. I'm so glad you said that because that's come up a lot. When, when Ryan Adams... Ryan Adams, the leader, knows that, right, so you know what that person's got to do to really sort of be the best employee they can be for you as, as a commercially, but you know that they're motivated to get a house or they're motivated to their this and this. You're like, when they're having a shit day, it's like, look, Ryan, are you like, do you want that or not? Yeah, <laughs> do you want exactly that? Yeah. That. So that, that's, I love the way that you said that because, yeah, then you know what buttons to push and you know how to motivate people. Everyone's different, right? Mm. Like me and you, although we both have done recruitment, we're not wired the same. Like we don't like the yeah, same. Yeah, for sure. So I can't motivate you the same as I would motivate myself and mm. the same as the next guy. So when you grow your business, I think to be a great leader, you really need to understand that everyone's different. Everyone doesn't want to be spoken to the same way or managed the same way. And the sooner you can identify how people like to be spoken to and how they like to be managed and what they're working towards, you can get the very best out of them. Mm. So um, I think that's been a fundamental thing for me. And I I generally feel like I get on with all of my employees, even people that have left as well. um, And I really try to make sure I get the best out of them. And I know that anyone that's worked for me or has left to go and work internal or start their own business or do whatever will take a lot of the stuff that they've learned from me and take that into their personal and work life. Yeah. Um, and I really try and have like a positive impact on people as much yeah, as I can. That's wicked, mate. So year three then, 
another hundred percent growth. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, so like what? So with that, so when did so that you moved over to um, LA? When did you move over? Yeah. So I moved to LA full time September of last year, which was our third full year. Third full year. So yeah. in the third year, then the growth plan was: did you start thinking about the US then? Yeah. So we um, so year one all UK, year two UK and Europe, year mm. three UK, Europe and US. So we started working the US market full time from January of uh, last year, so 2019. Why Why did you do that? Part of our third year, it was just um in my business plan. So again, I'm very goals orientated. So mm. I've written a very, very, very aggressive business plan, which is a three year plan mm. at the very beginning of starting Signify. And each month, year, I'd look at that and just think, we've just got to do everything possible to get to these numbers because that's what I, I committed to myself I'm going to do. Yeah. And year three was, we're going to work the US market and we're going to open an office in LA. And that's exactly mm. what we went on to do. So how, So that whole year you spent building relationships, building business from the UK, yeah. but in the US before you went tough. over there? It was very tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, myself and two of the guys that now actually work with me in the LA office, which is nice. Um, we, we sacrificed our personal life quite a lot. So we changed our working hours. We started at lunchtime and we stayed till like nine, 10 o'clock most nights. Really? And then the challenge is you, you know, you get home in the evening after your train journey and you know, 11, 1130 at night, your clients and candidates in the US are still online because they're eight hours behind you. It's only, you know, two, three in the afternoon. Mm. Up nights where you're closing deals and you're up till two, three in the morning. And then in the morning, I want to get up so I can see my kids. So it was, you know, it was a really tough experience. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think we all doubted ourselves at, at points and we all were ready to throw the towel in because it was, it was horrible. We'd done it for a lot longer than we probably needed to. But um, yeah, what, what, what were the like, tri- like, what were the sort of milestones that you planned to get to in order for you to go, right, I'm really confident now if we go to LA yeah. that we're going <laughs> to. It sounds mental saying this out loud right now, but I know a lot of people open an office, they move and then they just get off the ground. For me, I wanted us to build a customer base and uh, do a million pounds worth of revenue from the UK. And we've done from that. UK. Yeah. yeah. So that was that the milestone. Yeah. We've done that yeah. in seven, just under eight, call it eight months. Mm. So that, that's what you wanted to get to before you go, right. Okay. Let's go to LA and then we can continue building yeah. that. Yeah, it was why, tough, why, why it, a million? It's just a nice round number. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. So, so Sounds the, good, so, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so obviously, personal challenges for sure. Work-life balance, mm-hmm. young family. Sure, the missus wasn't too happy that you just strolling all the time. Like, do you know what I mean? That right. must have been challenged. So, but yeah, what were the other challenges from the the business side? Because as you know, as I'm sure you've seen, like there's a lot of people saying that the US huge opportunities bigger fees loads of opportunity but what what were the challenges that came up to you getting to that million pound mark yeah so I agree with all of those points that you've just said um, big opportunity bigger deal values um, all of the biggest tech companies in the world are mainly based in in America and yeah. San Francisco specifically um, the challenge is this is a super competitive market the really? UK the UK market is very competitive, but you're competing against other recruitment agencies. You know, you, mm. you very rarely have a lot of engineers or software engineers that, that engage direct with companies without using recruiters. Sure. In the US, it's a completely different ballgame. So all really? mainly go direct to the companies because they've got massive internal recruiters. And staffing agencies out here aren't that much of a big thing. So mm. when you speak to an engineer, they're like, yeah, yeah, I've got like 20 interviews, but they're all direct with Google, Facebook, Twitter, Netflix, Airbnb. 
And then you're like, well, hey, I'm working with um, a couple of really early stage startups. Do you fancy it? <laughs> just, it's, so it's very difficult in that sense. They don't want to talk to you on the phone. Um, they, they don't value you as much. So it's... it's, it's How did you overcome that then? How did you start penetrating persevering that. you know persevering sticking to our guns on we're going to bring the uk methodologies that are proven and work to this us market uh, maybe watering down our aggressiveness and maybe not being as um as 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 controlling as we would be in the uk as such and just learning okay. to balance the phone with email and with video and just just trying to relax into the market a bit and to be honest um we've, we've been super successful at her so far um you know, there's only, there's only what, four of us in the LA office at the moment. We're just about to add a fifth head, but we're also opening an office in um, Austin, Texas in, in the next couple of mm. weeks. So. How, how, did, how, how was the client acquisition piece? How difficult was that? Not hard at all. We've got really? great USBs. Yeah. I think that's a nice <laughs> thing. <We> work <laughs> and also, I love BD, right? So um, you've got someone that loves BD, loves picking up the phone. Um, yeah. But did you, did you leverage the relationships in the UK who had places in the US? Yeah, a couple. But a lot of it has been new business. Really? And um, we're really well known in our market. If you find a Scala developer in the world that doesn't know who we are, I would be very, very surprised. That's, I know it's a bold statement, but mm. we are the world's only Scala specialist agency. I know a lot of companies are trying to do our market because of our success, but we truly own the space. Really? Okay, so let, let's sort of uh, bring it full circle then. Um, so I think a big part of that is, which I noticed, is obviously the, the sort of the events piece and sponsoring events. And mm-hmm. you actually, so did you start a event series of, of some sort? Yeah, we did. And um, that, that's been like truly amazing. So we started our own meetup in London, which is a monthly meetup. And we use that as a BD tool as well. So we host with customers where we have a relationship, but we also host with new companies that use Scala. And each month we host at different places. So um, we've hosted at like Monzo Bank, uh, Net-A-Porter, Sky, um, mm. just, just, you know, some and just, just quickly, just to make it really clear, cause I've heard this a lot of times now, and I think it'd be fair for a lot of people, Ryan, to say, nah, events have been done. Like loads of people do and blah, blah, blah. So like, how, how was it? So firstly, BD business development, which typically is difficult for a lot of people and businesses win a new business. How did it help them with business development? Because you're going at a different angle. You don't need to talk about recruitment. You just mm. go and say to someone like, Hey, you guys use our technology. We're specialists in this space. We, we, we host an event which has around 100 to 150 engineers that attend it each month. We would love to host it in your office to give you guys the chance to um, invite a lot of mm. the community, see what you guys are working on, and you might get the chance to hire some of these guys direct. Would you like to host? We've got a slot available in X months. Someone would be crazy to say no to that. Yeah. But obviously, it can't have been that at the beginning, though, right? <laughs> no, it, it really was. It was. What, you was getting 100, 150 software engineers. Our, from fir- the- our first event, uh, it was snowing. I don't know if you remember this. So a few years back, um, 2017, I think, is when we started snowing doing it. bad. It was snowing crazy. Like, London was on lockdown. And we are like, oh, my God, we're going to have to cancel this event. And we had crazy amounts of people sign up. And we were like, you know what? We've committed to it. We've ordered pizza. We've ordered beer. Um, mm. We're just going to have to go for it. And, you know, if there's not a great turnout, we'll just blame it on the weather. First event, there's like 90-something engineers. And we're like, oh, my. Why do you think that was? Why do you think that was successful straight away? Uh, having really good topics. Okay. Having great speakers. And and just, just people wanting to see a startup do well. Like, generally... Um, I think that a lot of the community that we've worked with, engineers, really like us because we're super personal. 
uh, personable, sorry. Um, yeah. we've, we've met them at conferences overseas and they value that we're trying to help their technology grow. And without, without our input in this market, I don't know if the technology would be where it is right now because you know, we've been able to make it quite public by, by blogging and social media. Mm. And we've helped, to, to, to date, we've helped 600 software engineers find jobs in three and a half years. That's yeah, like that's that's a big mental, number. Something to be super proud of. And that's with over 125 different tech companies in 18 countries globally. So you take away our input, the the, the market probably wouldn't be where it is today. So um, yeah, and just 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 going for it, right? Being bold. Just what's the worst that's going to happen if you throw yourself mm-hmm. out there? Um, but how, so but so fair to say, anyone that thinking about an event or like just again having another way to build relationships or whatever that that's generated revenue for you and your business. Oh, 100% because yeah. we've won customers from it that we've done placements with, but we also meet engineers at these events, uh, people that we're already working with and new mm. people like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm looking for a job. Can you guys help? Of course we mm. can. And so, I think, and I think the trick here is, and I'm sure look, you're, you're, you're smart, right? You're not that first event. It wasn't sending to the, to the guys like, right. How many business cards can you get out tonight? I want you, I want you to empty your pocket. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's not the game, right? No, you have to be you have to be smart with this stuff. So we don't go there and like, hey, we're a recruitment company. We desperately want to get you a job. We go there and we're really relaxed. We're there to help them have a really nice evening, talk to each other, um, feel like they're not being sold to. And if you do that with people, they'll come to you when they need you. Mm. So that's a key thing that is a great question is that you don't go there like shouting from the rooftops like, hey, we're a recruitment company. We really need your business. Please work with us. You just go there and you be nice people. Mm. Yeah. Okay, mate. So hit your million pound mark, right? Um, and you moved to America in September 2018. No, 19. Uh, yeah, yeah, 19, 19, yeah. I've been here for six months now. Six months, yeah. So look, let's you can talk tell about... by my tan. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let, let's talk a bit about that, mate. So look, all sounds great. As, as I'm sure you realize by now, this is a real honest place, right? And I think it's fair to say that if you were to look at the Ryan Adams profile and signify, look, clearly there's been loads of great things, right? Um, fucking hell, Ryan's doing really well. But like, what, what's been some of the biggest challenges for you since going over to America that probably you didn't expect or people probably don't tell people when trying to take their business to America or moving their life there? Yeah. Um... I'll answer that in a couple of ways. So the first thing is leaving my baby in London, right? You mm. know, I built that, I built, I built the business in London. I've got an amazing team and I, I, I truly miss them every day. And it sounds very random to say, but I don't just see, I, get that. I don't just see my staff as like employees. I see them as friends and, you know, we've been through a hell of a lot together. So I really, really miss the guys in London. And, um, you know, I talk to them most days on video and emails and the time difference sucks a little bit, right? It's like eight hours. So when these guys are finishing work, we're just starting work. So that's been really, really tough. And because we're a junior business made up of people that don't have recruitment experience, we don't have a massive leadership team in London. So without me being there, there has been a little bit of challenge. Yeah. So how how have you have you how have you like how have you have you got things in place now where like a non-negotiable ways to communicate to the team or like have you got do you know what I mean like how do you communicate to the UK team? Yeah, definitely. So um, we've got, we're, we're trying to build a leadership team. So at the moment we're hiring for seniors, principals, team leaders, managers, directors, just to build out our leadership team. Sure, sure. Um, and we also now have a manager of the perm team and a manager of the contract team, 
And also we've promoted a couple of people to like principals and seniors. So sure. we're just working on building out the structure. We've got a really good back office team. And we've also hired a full-time internal recruiter just to help us to yeah, get amazing. to the level. Um, we're also using external training providers to, to try and upskill our, our team um, and get them thinking. So like, really, really investing in the people that you have in your full... Definitely. And, yeah, yeah. And so then that's how, been a challenge. And then how... Just quickly, sorry. Just so... So like... so. For, I guess what I'm just trying to ask, maybe if you've learned through doing it and trying it, but like, as you said, eight hours difference, they're finishing as you're starting. Like, how have you gone about communicating like what you need to, to that business? Like, have you, do you get up every morning? First thing you do email, jump on a video with the guy, like how, how have you communicated to the guys? So I, I stay up late <laughs> uh, most days and uh, I get up really early. So um, really? I, I love starting my day really early. So I get up at 5.30 every morning. Um, I cycle. It sounds really horrible, right? I cycle to work down the beach, um, hit the gym, and then I start work. Um, I'm physically at my desk. I start work at 8 o'clock, yeah. uh, which is uh, 4 o'clock in the UK. So at least so it gives me a couple of Do you check hours. in with them straight away? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fair. Okay, fair, yeah. fair enough. So and we, we use a lot team. of platforms. Yeah, we use uh, Microsoft Teams, which has been great for us. It's like a nice. video platform. Everyone has it on their laptop. Um, we we use email, as, as I'm sure everyone does. Um, sometimes I'll like, you know, WhatsApp people. Um, yeah, okay. Time. You know, but I, I definitely am definitely still involved, but uh, I trust the team there. We've got a great team, highly motivated, that have been with me for a long time. But um, yeah, we just need to add some more experience to help us with like structure, strategy, processes. Which yeah, we'll especially when you're not there. So, okay, yeah. next challenge then, mate. So definitely, yeah, leaving your baby, leaving the people there that you form great relationships with, communicating with the guys. What else has been a challenge for you? Hiring in LA is tough. Really? I mean, we're right next to Malibu. Uh, staffing, staffing agencies probably isn't the most sexy, glamorous thing when you're like <laughs> next to Hollywood, right? Everyone's in films or mm. is an actress and just finding people that want to do recruitment is really, really tough. So that's been a challenge, but what really? we're trying to do to, to get that right is um, find people again from a non-recruitment background, try and train them. What, in the way. US? Yeah, in the US. Move people from less desirable locations to LA because of the lifestyle. Um, we're we're going to be moving a lot of our UK recruiters to LA as well to help us build the team out. What, what what's the what's the visa situation? That'd be good for you to. What's been your experience of that? Because obviously a lot of people have assumptions or misconceptions assumptions of what that's actually yeah, like. So how has that been? Yeah, the really? assumptions are all wrong. Everyone's like, you're never going to get a visa. It's really tough. But again, I think if you back yourself and you put in the right documentation, then you, you're going to get approval because we are effectively adding to the US economy. By us working here, we're helping to staff tech companies and help people get jobs. Yeah. And we're also making a lot of money. So it's actually helping the US economy to grow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I get that. But, but has, <laughs> there, has there been any hiccups? So what, what are some no, of the things that touch you... Wood. Really? No, really? Touch wood so So far. why do you think that is? Just because of that? Because of the value? Because you've got a real good case of why they're coming to the country and what we can add yeah our business case is strong right we've got loads of us companies that we're working with from yeah. twitter to capital one to i mean we work with some amazing brands so i think that helps we've been able to make a lot of value from the uk and everyone that works in our business is a true specialist so i think that's what the us government look look for like can you find this person in the us and the answer is no right now because no one does our market oh, okay so, I mean, for me to find a Scala specialist recruiter in the US right now is is near to impossible because we're the only guys doing it. Yeah, yeah, fair. And um, so, what and what is the actual reality of living there, mate? What is the actual LA lifestyle, mate? You've been in London through and through. What what is it actually like, mate? <laughs> um, 
I, I don't want to rub any <laughs> in the wounds or anything like that, but it's everything that I could have hoped and dreamed for. Like, I mean, I absolutely love it. Uh, just the weather is amazing. It's like it's winter at the moment and it's like 20, 21. Really? Um, it's sunny most days, blue skies. Um, is it chilled though? Is it the people, do people get shit done over there or what? It's, it's very relaxed. <laughs> there's, not, there's not as much hustle as there is in London. But is that, like, is that an advantage for you? Do you feel like that's what gives you guys a bit of a competitive advantage? It's an advantage, but it could also be a weakness because if you come here and you allow yourself to um, not work as hard and become relaxed, then you can fall into a trap. Whereas the way that our business is set up is that cool, like we're going to take advantage of the lifestyle, but we're going to still work like we're in the UK. And that's exactly yeah. what so and that's to really give you an example, yeah. we're in we're in a WeWork. We're the first in and we're the last out every single day. Mm. And I mean, we we start work at eight and we finish at five, so we're not working crazy hours. It's like <laughs> a nine yeah, hour yeah, day, yeah, yeah, hour yeah. lunch. Yeah, but um, it's it's amazing. Like truly, um, it's beautiful to wake up near the ocean. Um, my kids go to an amazing school there. There's some celebrities that um, take their kids there as well, so they're rubbing shoulders with with some amazing people. We've met some friends all from the uk who are um, traveling as well so yeah the guys are settled business is good i cannot complain it's everything that i would have hoped for yeah no that's amazing man i think clearly well deserved you worked your absolute socks off mate um so still, look, before, still hard work still, yeah yeah for still yeah well, well, i don't know if you're ever going to be someone that's happy when i don't know if you're ever going to be settled with whatever i don't know what it is what you've got on your goal sheet mate not my, sure my wife says that all the time she's like you know when when's enough enough and i'm like never you know, when i'm <laughs> well, dead the, the thing is, like there's no end game really is there like what there, there shouldn't there there isn't in business like you you can say you want to get to this point that's it but it's not like it's, it's for it's infinite right it's I always think, evolving you know, i'll be honest with you my, my ultimate goal in life is to to be a provider like i mm. i love the i love the pressure and i thrive under pressure so i love being able to provide for my family and for my friends um i also love being able to provide for my staff so i know that sounds mm. crazy i think we all know about a situation recently where a, a big recruitment company went into administration and for me that that scares me and mm. i i take the responsibility of all of my staff on plus their friends and family, because these guys need to be paid as well as yeah, yeah, yeah. need to be looked after. So um, I don't know when enough is enough, but we're just going to keep growing, keep scaling. My ultimate goal is to sell my business um, or merge with a bigger business in a quicker time frame than console for more money. That's my ultimate goal. <laughs> really? Do they yeah. know that? <laughs> I don't really talk to them much, but that's my goal. <laughs> and- do you want to do that? Is, that? is that because you know what could have been for you, innit? You, you tapped out before. Yeah, but being honest with you, the money I missed out on, like, hey, I earn that now per year anyway. It's the, it's, it is what it is, right? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm generally the most happiest that I've ever been in my life. And I think that's really important to me. Like, I love getting out of bed every day. I love what I do. I love the brand that I'm building. I absolutely love everyone that I work with. And I wouldn't do anything different. Like, cut me open. I'm a recruiter at heart. And there's some people that do recruitment to get paid. I do recruitment because I absolutely love it. Like, I mm. genuinely love it. I couldn't think of doing anything different if or when my business merges or sells or whatever, what will I do? Probably still recruitment. Like, yeah, I yeah. absolutely love it. I couldn't, couldn't imagine doing anything different. I would probably choose being a recruiter over being a footballer any day. Yeah. So look, before I ask you the last couple of questions, mate, just on that, I'd love to just get your opinion on this. Like, how do you think we can change the perception of recruitment, mate? Because clearly you're someone that's passionate about it, absolutely loves your building the business with everything that you shared today. Like, how, how do you think we can change the perception? Just keep raising the bar. Like, yeah. generally, 
Like every time I do something, I'm like, you know, someone could copy us and do something similar, but if it's going to make the recruitment industry a better place mm-hmm. and make people value us more, then hey, so be it. You know, if every recruiter moves towards being on social media, great. If every recruitment company works a niche, great, because their clients and candidates are going to get a better service. Yeah, it's like raising the standards, isn't it? Exactly. Um, you know, a lot of people complain about there's so many recruitment awards for excellence, but this is a great thing because it means that we're all trying to do better. Um, mm. Join APSCO and be, you know, a member of the professional body. Um, talk to other business owners and aspire to be like them and be better and just keep doing things in the right way, I would say. Mm. Have fun. Like, I, I absolutely, you know, we work really hard, but we have a lot of fun. You know, we do a lot of company events. We share success. We collaborate. Um, we have incentive trips, lunch clubs, end of year awards. This summer, we, we celebrate our birthday every year. I think that's really important as well. So mm. every time we make it to another year older, the whole company gets together. We celebrate what we've achieved. We all go out and, you know, just have a great day. So Yeah, wicked, mate. Love that. So look, um, I've got a couple of questions on resilience and we'll finish this, mate. So, um, but before I ask you those, just to sort of wrap this all up, mate, knowing what you know now, Ryan Adams, um, like what advice do you wish you got given at the beginning of this journey mate i know you're only four years in but knowing what you know now hindsight's a great thing what what would you love what would be the advice that you'd give yourself or advice that you wish you received it's it's a tough one right because um i thought you were gonna ask something like that you know like maybe if you could go back in time what would you <laughs> but but being honest with you this this sounds like a really kind of i guess like basic answer but if i could go back in time i wouldn't do anything differently i think that everything happens for a reason and everything that's happened to me in my life so far even all the mistakes i've made and there's been a lot of them um has made me the person i am today and shaped me to be the person i am today so um uh, just because so you'd say to you the advice would be keep trusting yourself trust the process Trust the process yeah you hear that a lot right in recruitment trust the process i'd probably say that yeah, it, it generally was harder than I expected it to be. But then mm. that's because I went to knock the lights out. You know, if I just started a one-man band... Yeah, head, that's, what, that's what you want, isn't it? Like, that's, yeah. that's why. So that's not, that's not for everyone. That, that, for me, I love being around people. I couldn't think of anything worse than sitting at home oh, in man. my hats. Yeah, no way. I just, I couldn't think of anything worse. I love talking to people. I'm a people's, I could talk to a brick wall, right? So, um, <laughs> <laughs> generally. So, yeah, it was harder than I expected. Um talk to people that's that's probably a big one right there's a lot of stuff in the in the world right now seek advice help get help yeah mental health uh well-being and i'd probably just say talk to people like i've got an amazing support mechanism around me like i can talk to my wife about anything my best friend daniel lawson Mm. uh works for me in my london office Um, he's my perm manager i talk to him about everything we've been through the, the worst times in our life together but also the best times in our life together and we've built this company together Jack, who works in London office, he'd been with me from day one as well. I share my, if, if I'm going through a bad time, work, personal life, I just tell them how it is, right? They're yeah. my friends. They don't judge me. I don't judge them. So I'd probably just say, yeah, like talk to people. You're not on your own. Uh, however bad it may be, like know that someone's there. They got your back. Yeah. Love that, mate. So three questions on resilience. And then I'm going to ask you the last question, mate. I've got an event coming up in a couple of weeks, which is why I've been asking a couple of people on um, resilience because the theme is, cultivating resilience and going the distance in recruitment so the, so the first question mate what does resilience in recruitment mean to you it's a tough question because this is the the reason why a lot of people don't last right mm. um, re- resilience to me is everything man you've got to be thick-skinned in this game and if you're going to do it long term 
you need to be able to handle the pressure and the stress and, and the bad times. And I know your podcast is called the recruitment roller coaster, but it generally is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like the highs are are the best highs. They're like they're the ultimate feeling that you get. Yeah. The lows are the worst lows. Yeah. And you don't really get you don't really get the in between. You get like the mad highs and then the all time lows. Yeah. So I'd say that resilience is just about getting through the tough times and knowing that if you get your head down, you work hard, you're going to get through anything. Mm. Uh, pain is temporary. You know, mm. it doesn't last forever. Mm, nice resilience is everything i would like to say that i'm a very resilient character right and that day when console sold i'm not gonna lie i i i left the office and i was broken like you know everyone everyone was emailing me in fact i'll be i'll be mad and say like it brought a tear to my eye i was Mm. flipping absolutely fucked off because i worked there for nearly seven years and i knew that my impact helped their business get there and i didn't even get like I didn't even get a pound or a, or a yeah, penny yeah, yeah, yeah. or a thank you card. So yeah. that really, really upset me. And I was going to leave the office and go home and just be you know, angry and go and have a beer. And I just thought, actually, do you know what? I'm going to go back into my office. I'm going to tell everyone what just happened. And I'm going to tell them that it's really hurt me and I'm down about it, but I'm going to get through this. And I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to make some shit happen. <laughs> great month. Love that. Love so, that, mate. Resilience is everything. If you don't yeah. have resilience, you're not going to be a good recruiter. Yeah. So, um, how has the importance or need for resilience changed as the industry has evolved? I think the industry is evolving a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of easy uh, things that you can do in recruitment now from being a recruitment coordinator to, um, to, to maybe not needing to put yourself under stress and do like BD and 360 mm. recruitment. So I think it is changing. It's, it's a moving env- environment. Um, but I'd say depending on what companies you work for, you can go somewhere and have an easy life, but you're maybe not going to earn the best money and hit those goals. So I think in all, in all honesty, like the best recruiters that I know work in environments where they expect big things of you and they're going to put you under a little bit of pressure so you can get more out of it. Mm. So it's a tough one. It's, mm. it's a really tough one. Okay. That's cool. Last one. What can people do themselves to instill resilience in their teams? Lead from the front. Mm. show people what good looks like that's one thing that i would like to always say that you know if, if i tell someone to do something it's normally because i would do it myself yeah and if they don't know how to i'll show them i'll train support help them um th- th- this probably isn't the answer you're looking for but i think that resilience probably comes from loads of different things it's like how you were how you probably were brought up some of the stuff you do in your personal life mm. the kind of character that you are right so I, I look for people that are are winners and that are doing a lot in their personal life, whether it's self-development, goals mm. orientated, eating well, um, taking care of their personal life. You know, if, if you're going out every night of the week and getting smashed, then you, I, I don't know if that's going to help you to be productive and show, show resilience at tough times. Mm. So just people that are just like serious characters that really want to be someone. Mm. So, um, I think as a leader, you need to show people what good looks like. Um, if, if someone isn't being led by someone that shows great resilience, how can you expect them to? Yeah. Nice, mate. So before I ask you the last question, what, what's Ryan Adams excited about, mate? What are you excited about? What do you want to shout about? Just, just the general growth that we're going through. And like I said, half of me is super excited about it. But then the other half of me being a bit of a cynical person is like, you know, this this could end at any time you know you can't yeah, take yeah, it yeah. for granted and especially with the news of other stuff that's happened in the market recently so um i'm not sure if we if we said this but like last year in our third full year uh we got to about 
I think it ended up in 6.6 million turnover. So yeah. again, we grew by 100% year on year. Uh, we've finally broken 30 headcount, which okay. I think is a really big achievement for us. Two offices, soon to be three. This year, the plan is to grow by 100% again. So we need to get to 12 million <laughs> turnover. You just like that because it's a big round number, mate, didn't you? It's going to be, it's be 100%, mate. We've done it for three years. Why can't we do it for four? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we want to grow our headcount by 100% as well. So we're trying to get to 60 heads by the end of this year. So look, watch this space. We're work in progress. Um, we're doing loads of things right. Um, there's some things that we've probably done wrong along the way. Uh, we've had some churn recently where we've got a really high bar and if people aren't up to our standards, then we start to part company with them and that's okay. But the the team that we've got in place are super motivated, building some great numbers. Uh, our top biller last year, first full year working for my company, build just under 600K. Cheers. So, yeah, we're doing we're doing amazing. Um, Love so that, really mate. Mate, honestly, congrats, mate. Work absolute socks off. Um, so, look, last question: um, If Ryan Adams could communicate to every single recruiter out there, they take on your advice, they'd implement it. What would you say to these people, mate? It'd be a phrase, sentence, a word. <laughs> what do you want to say to the people, mate? Oh, it's a tough one. <laughs> um, I could go on for days, right? But I'd probably say that just love recruitment for what it is, you know, like generally it's, it's a great industry and a great career. Um, I've met some amazing people from working in this industry and I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I wouldn't have done half of the things that I've been able to do in my personal life about being in recruitment. So mm. just, yeah, just be proud. Be, yeah. Be proud to be, a, I, I generally am proud to be a recruiter, like 100%, mm. you know, before when someone would ask me in a bar, like, what do you do? I'm like, Oh, recruiter, you, know, you feel like a traffic warden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you feel like literally like the lowest of low at times. But now I, I generally chest pumped out. Like I love doing what I do. I'm proud of what we're doing. We're doing things differently. So generally, like enjoy being a recruiter. If it, if you if you don't love it, you could probably still do it right. But I feel like you you need to love what you do to be passionate. Mm. I hope you, you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. If you're if you're not passionate about what you what you do and you don't love you're it, you're gonna have limited success. You're going to have limited success. You're not going to enjoy getting out of the bed in the morning. That's probably going to uh, show in the way you interact with people internally and externally on social media, um, on your calls. It will it'll show up in all areas in your life, isn't it? For sure. Life, life is short. And I genuinely mean this. And we all go through crazy, stressful times. We're all fighting battles that no one knows about. But if you, if you use recruitment in the right way, it can, it can really help you to be an amazing person. You, if you work in the right business, you're going to have a team of people around you, like supporting you and helping you through. And if you ever need something, whether it's money or someone to talk to, that person will be there for you. And I know yeah. I've got that in my company. So just enjoy recruitment for what it is. Love it. Keep raising the standards, keep doing great things. Um, and let's just keep growing our industry. Like there's more recruitment companies starting than ever. And it's a super competitive market, but we don't need to, we don't need to fight against each other. We can all be friends. Like yeah, there's, yeah, enough, yeah. there's enough money and opportunity in this, in this industry for us all to do well. Um, and I generally mean that in my early mm. years, I used to hate recruiters. Yeah. Any, anyone was a recruiter. I'm like, I hate you. Like, I, just, yeah, I, yeah, hate yeah. You. I hate your suit. I hate your shoes. Yeah. Uh, whereas now I love recruiters. I see a recruiter. I'm like, man, I'm proud that you do. Recruit. Yeah. I think that's what's changed. I think that's what's exciting to see. It's changed. That's what's changing a lot. It's like we're more of a team, right? Yeah. Like recruiters are sharing information and sharing insights and, I thought my top biller last year done great. He'd done just under 600K. We go to an event and he wins an award and this other guy wins an award for being the top biller and he'd done like 1.4 million. I'm like, wow, what? that's mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Man. So 
be proud to be recruiters, man. Like we're not all bad people. Yeah. Um, sure, there that, are a mate. lot of bad recruiters. Ryan, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hishimazoos and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.